0: The ideas of Victorian Birmingham's great but almost forgotten civic philosopher, George Dawson, resonated around the world. Birmingham's civic gospel was a model for good government in Australia as the country grew, and such was his influence that George Dawson was still remembered decades after his death in 1876. Access to the works of Shakespeare, for every man, woman and child, was a fundamental part of Dawson's philosophy and resulted in the opening of the world's first great Shakespeare library in Birmingham in 1868. Birmingham businessmen Richard and George Tangy further cemented the links between their city and Australia when they donated a rare first folio of Shakespeare's works to Sydney's Free Public Library in 1885. Making his first visit to explore the Shakespeare Memorial Library, Professor Peter Holbrook of the University of Queensland met Professor Ewan Fernie, director of the Everything to Everybody initiative, which aims to revitalise this unique collection. They talked with the publisher of History West Midlands, Mike Gibbs.
1: We're here in the Shakespeare Institute of the University of Birmingham here in Stratford, and I'm joined by Professor Peter Holbrook and Professor Ewan Ferney. And we're going to discuss the forgotten philosopher of Birmingham, George Dawson, and his relationship to William Shakespeare and his work. To begin with, Ewan, let me ask you, who was George Dawson? Because he's basically disappeared from history, as far as I can see.
2: Yes, George Dawson was a preacher. He was a political activist. He was a lecturer. He came to Birmingham in 1844 to take up an appointment at a big cavernous Baptist chapel, which nobody was turning up for services at anymore. And he filled it. He was a charismatic young man, but he refused to retail Baptist doctrine. And he started giving communion to everybody, to all comers, Baptist or not. And I think that really tells us who George Dawson was. That's, he reveals himself in that act. He lost his job and they built another church for him, But that's what he was about. George Dawson wanted to give communion of a secular kind and a a religious kind to everybody, and it characterised all his subsequent career. So thereafter, he became a great activist in Birmingham for sharing the resources of the city where so many people had flocked to work with the people of the city. He wanted a, a city that would be a new form of civilization, that would give its green spaces away, which would share its culture. And he stimulated a new form of local government, which the great historian of Victorian cities, Asa Briggs, dates to George Dawson's propounding what came to be known as a civic gospel. And I would say, suggest that that was an ethos of living in cities together and giving the very best of those new civilizations to everybody who lived in the city. So that's really who George Dawson was. And in his time, he became a, a major force in Birmingham, in Britain and across the globe.
1: And why are we sitting here in the Shakespeare Institute talking about George Dawson? Well, that's
2: also a good question, but... George Dawson was also a great Shakespearean. He was the life president of Birmingham's Our Shakespeare Club, and the hour tells you something, that there's a different kind of Shakespeare club, a Shakespeare for Birmingham, which was a city that was inventing itself as arguably the first modern city. And Dawson felt that Shakespeare mattered, and he mattered not just because he's a great poet, but because, according to Dawson, Shakespeare's populousness, the fact that he dramatises stories about an extraordinary range of characters are all kind of rubbing along together, was an image of the new life we could live in a modern world which was making city life as if for the first time. So Dawson... Took Shakespeare as a sort of lodestar for the kind of city he wanted to see created. And he wasn't just a talker. He was somebody who invented institutions, who campaigned for the rights of working people, who went out to the people and gave them Shakespeare lectures in mechanics institutes, in the Birmingham Midland Institute, which was all about making great culture available to ordinary people and across on lecture tours across Britain. He was known as Birmingham Dawson, very identified with the city he'd adopted, and he stood for a new kind of attitude to culture which Birmingham sought to propound.
1: And listeners can learn more about Dawson from earlier podcasts that you've done for History West Midlands Absolutely. about Dawson and about Shakespeare. Absolutely. But Peter, his influence reached out well beyond... Birmingham, beyond Britain and beyond Europe.
3: Absolutely. I visited actually for the first time yesterday Birmingham and I looked at the collection that Ewan is wanting to make much more widely available to people both in Birmingham but people generally it was fascinating to me to see that there were some Australian items in the Shakespeare collection that um, is really an outgrowth of Dawson's influence in Birmingham and is now held at the library. But Dawson never visited Australia himself, but he was certainly known there. And I think what came to be known as, as his civic gospel, that's a, really an idea that that cities should be places not where people simply work and, and whatnot, but where they can flourish. And that ambition for the future was something that I think in certain ways was realised in Australia. But in terms of actual influence and direct connection, there's one very, very important connection, which is that Australia has one copy of the really precious book, which is the Shakespeare First Folio. That's to say the book that was published in, in London in 1623, seven years after Shakespeare's death, and which contains most of the plays, and which actually, if that book had not been published, half of Shakespeare's works would have disappeared from history. There is one copy of this very, very precious book in Australia, in the Sydney State Library, and that was given to the people of Australia by two of Dawson's followers, the Tangy brothers. I hope I've got them pronunciation right. But I, I saw when I went to the Birmingham City Museum yesterday, there's a wonderful park to the memory of those two who were very, very instrumental in setting up that wonderful museum, which I spent a few hours in yesterday. And the Tangy brothers, Richard and George Tangy, visited Australia in the 1880s, and they donated a copy of the first folio to uh, the people of Australia. And it's still there. And it's in this wonderful oak, casket which was made in the the Birmingham arts and crafts style and there it is it's on display in a very lovely room in that library down in Australia called the Shakespeare Room and so you know that was an indirect connection of Dawson you know the Tangy brothers who I think were trying to flog their they were engineers weren't they and they were trying to sell some of their pumps I think it was down there but as well they took a really keen interest in public institutions And that was the Dawson spirit, you know, this connection or this commitment rather, not just to making a a quid but also to promoting a civic life. And they clearly thought Shakespeare was part of that. So I I found that fascinating. And There there are other connections too. Dawson had other followers who went down there. We were talking about this just yesterday. There was one called uh, Robert William Dale who was a congregational minister and who at one point was offered a pastorate at Melbourne. He turned that down, that was in the 1860s, but much later he toured Australia. He was hugely impressed by what he called the buoyant faith of Australians in the future. I mean, Australia in those days was a rather progressive place, you know, with really progressive social legislation, like the eight hour day and things like that. And uh, I didn't see it, but there is a statue of Dale, isn't there, in the rebuilt Cars Lane Chapel opposite Moore Street Station. But Dale was very much a follower of Dawson. So he was down there spreading the civic gospel. And I just think there's so much to find out about this impact of Birmingham
1: on such a faraway place, all all the way down from where I, I come and how widely recognised in Australia is that relationship between Birmingham and Australia?
3: I don't think it's recognised enough. And in fact, it was just recently that, through a bit of serendipity, you and discovered this connection back to Dawson and Birmingham, because the Tangy brothers. It's been known, of course, that the Tangy brothers donated the first folio. That's that's known, but what I wasn't aware of, and I don't think many people actually are down there is that they were directly inspired by Dawson so there is this subterranean link all the way back down to Australia.
2: Yes I agree Peter and I think the thing is as we're all rediscovering this for the first time which I think is part of the Mm. excitement isn't it so you could certainly read on the website or on the label in, in Sydney that this was given by these guys from Birmingham but to know the significance of that you need to know what Dawson and Dale and the Tangies and so forth were doing it in Birmingham, and why it resonated in the new
3: world. Yes, when, when Dawson died, there was a statue made of, of him, erected. Uh, I think it was outside the current library in the yeah, in that in, square. In Chamberlain Square, in which Chamberlain is square. just
2: currently yeah. being re, re, yeah. remodeled again. Yeah,
3: um, and if your project succeeds, you know, uh, I, th- I think the plan is to, if possible, to have that re-erected in the lobby of the museum, which would be very fitting because he is, as I understand it, very much the inspiration for the museum. But this was what was said at the unveiling of that first statue, and here's the Australian connection, that the gathering that day of the unveiling of this statue of George Dawson was not merely a towns gathering, not merely a Birmingham meeting. The name of George Dawson was famous and his friends abounded far down in the south beneath the bright beams of the Southern Cross and far away amid the golden homes of the setting sun on the Pacific coast. So there it is. I mean, in those times, it was recognised that Dawson was an inspiration to people... Across the world. Across the world,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And a very poetic description there, but did his philosophy have any long-term effects on the development of civic government and civic thinking in Australia?
3: That's, I think, something that would have to be explored further. My instinct is to say that when I look at the history of that period, I can see things that Dawson would have saluted, Mm. put it that way. Mm. The colony of Victoria institutes uh, or legislates um, free, compulsory and secular, uh, non-confessional, education in 1872 mm. that's and it's a separate development of course but it's certainly in line with this kind of civic gospel that's the idea that the non-sectarian yes uh, vision of a city that dawson absolutely uh, yeah. and
2: it, i mean it's almost exactly contemporary with the birmingham education league and the foundation of the national education league in birmingham mm. an occasion in which dawson was present chamberlain the great mayor of birmingham was a great activist for that and precisely those things, mm. for free, compulsory, I forget the third.
3: Free, compulsory and secular education. Secular education. That, yeah, that's 1872, which is... So, so close. So close, yeah. And I, I do connect this in a way, this faith in education, this faith in the future, you know, what um, Dale recognised as a buoyant faith, that's quoting him in Australia about the future. I also connect it with an enthusiasm for Shakespeare. The yeah. Melbourne Shakespeare Society was established in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. And I think that the very notion of a society is interesting. That, that it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there, there are concurrent developments here with Shakespeare scholars like F.J. Furnival and so on, and establishing societies that are for ordinary people the you know, society but, in a larger sense. Yeah. Society. I think that word society yeah, is crucial, no, isn't it? It's a saying. Shakespeare society that is a group of people who come together on conditions of equality and openness. Yeah.
1: And it's particularly interesting, I think, that you're uncovering this relationship between Birmingham and Australia at a time when we're about to host in 2022 the Commonwealth Games, and the previous host of that was in fact... Brisbane, Brisbane, where I come from. Yeah. yeah. So, how are you and your group, Ewan, mm. using that opportunity to revitalise interest in Dawson and Dawson and Shakespeare?
2: It's a great opportunity. I mean, there are several things to say there. I mean, I spoke in Brisbane at Professor Holbrook's invitation a couple of years ago to a public audience about Dawson and was thrilled with the interest and reaction which itself seemed to resonate between a kind of some sort of ethical vibration between a Brisbane audience even now and the memory of George Dawson. And one of the members of that audience, one of Peter's colleagues, said to me, I'm really interested in this and I have an inkling that George Dawson mattered in Australia and perhaps even in Brisbane and why don't you look it up in your hotel on the Australian internet newspaper archive or some such thing. So I did and the first thing that came up was an article from the Brisbane Telegraph in 1896 which read as follows, Brisbane needs a Dawson, some fearless man who would preach persistently the gospel of civic elevation, deliverance from ignorant peddling and from shameless littleness. Oh, for just one Dawson. (laughs) I just couldn't believe it. I was in a Brisbane hotel opposite the Botanic Gardens. Peter had set me up really nicely. And this is 20 years after his death. So the sense that he stands for civic life, even in Brisbane. And I was in Brisbane talking about Dawson and being so well-received and hosted. Brisbane then, of course, and the Gold Coast hosted the Commonwealth Games later. Peter and I had been talking about these resonances that we started to discover, and this is before we knew that the Tangy brothers had given another Birmingham First Folio to Australia, the only First Folio in Australia. But what we were talking about then was the idea of the Commonwealth, which for Dawson meant above all wealth It was the wealth that was held in mm. common, mm. and of course, he wanted that for the city. He said that. He said the time has come to give everything to everybody, and we took the name of our project from that quotation. And what he wanted was a commonwealth. All wealth should be held in common. The very best things that we collectively own must be owned by all of us. That is our commonwealth. In Birmingham, we're trialling that
3: for the world and with the world, and we want to encourage that. So I think we were really struck by that, weren't we? So yes, I mean, that quotation is so interesting because it's connecting a love of culture and of education, not with, as it, as it so often is, a way of marking yourself off from other people and... The common herd sort of thing. That's yeah. right, you know, sort of saying, well, we have this and it makes us somehow, you know, toffs and, and better than you and all that. It's it's rather about, how does he say it, civic elevation. And I think also the reason that that message seems to resonate now, and actually despite the sort of rather antique language, it doesn't seem, at least to me, an antique idea. It's because, you know, people do want this sense of togetherness. Mm. You know, it's it's a vision of a society where, you know, via culture, via art and so on, people can be, you know, together rather than... What's the phrase? Rather than ignorant peddling just trying to rip each other off as it were, you know. And rather from just thinking very small thoughts about how I, I can get I my can get on. how I can get on, you know. No, it's something a bit more ambitious about what a society, what a country can be like, what a nation can be like. Yeah. That's really quite inspiring.
2: I think so too. And the collection we showed Peter a bit of yesterday is a Commonwealth collection. It boasts holdings in ninety three.
1: Tell us, us a bit more about the collection. And how you're trying to unlock it.
2: The Birmingham Shakespeare Memorial Library, which is housed in the iconic Library of Birmingham in Centenary Square, is the first great Shakespeare library in the world. I mean, I never tire of saying it. That's an amazing thing. And secondly, it's the only such library that belongs to all the people of the city to whom it was given. And our Project, the Everything to Everybody project is about unlocking that great cultural resource and that heritage, that ethos of everything to everybody of a kind of commonwealth, cultural wealth that's held in common across the city once more. It's an amazing thing. It has around a hundred thousand holdings in 93 languages, not just books, but images and posters and programs and production photographs and works of art and and so on and these belong to me and they belong to everybody everybody who lives in Birmingham whether they're a Shakespeare professor like me or whether they work a lathe or whether they work in digital marketing or in the corner shop you know these treasures are theirs Mm. and the idea of the commonwealth and the commonwealth coming to Birmingham is an amazing opportunity to say this belongs to all the people of the city. And it's an international collection. It's not an inward-looking collection. It's not just a local history thing. It's a wonderful piece of local history, but it's
3: local history that absolutely opens out across the whole globe and stretches a hand out to Australia. Yes, with... I was really struck, if I can just come in there, I mean, the sheer diversity of languages that are yeah. represented. And I know that Birmingham is a really diverse city. Yes. And it's fascinating to think of those... Translations. We looked yesterday at translations of, I think it was um, Othello into into Tamil or into uh, Bengali. Extraordinary.
1: Peter, you're an internationally renowned Shakespeare scholar. Did you know the collection was there? I
3: didn't. I come to Stratford, I've been here many times. And I think this is actually another, so it's opened my eyes just to the way that Stratford itself is, of course, part of the West Midlands. It's connected to Birmingham. I mean, I'm afraid, perhaps it's just an effect of, you know, flying into Heathrow and getting the train up here. I think of Stratford as a sort of satellite of London, as it were. It's not that far away. You're
1: but not it's going like... to be popular with that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to watch my words here, but, but I have to say... Actually, I have flown into Birmingham, by the way, which is a much easier way to get to Stratford. No, I mean, seriously, it has opened my eyes to the fact that Stratford is part of this region. It's not just part of metropolitan global culture, which, of course, it is. It's part of Birmingham's history and the history of this region. And I am embarrassed, actually, to say that I did not know about the Shakespeare collection there. It is an astonishing collection, something like 100,000 Items, And I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do with it. but I live in Australia. But still, it really ought to be made more available. It really should. It should be more celebrated. It was, wasn't it? I mean, it was, was well known. I think it's just in the way that these things happen. And I think that what the library is doing in terms of trying to get this thing going again is fantastic. So
1: there you are, Ewan, that Peter's given us all a challenge. <laughs> what are you going to do about it and how is it progressing? Yes,
2: well, we're in the, the fortunate and challenging position in that we have a grant from the National Lottery Heritage Fund to apply for a larger grant from the same body. We have the support of the University of Birmingham to the highest level, including the Vice Chancellor's personal support. We have the support of Birmingham City Council right up to the top, including the that of the leader, Ian Ward. We're very grateful to the patronage and support of History West Midlands also. So we're developing a project and there are two things we want to do. One, we need to unlock the memory of this collection. We almost need to physically unlock the collection Mm -hmm. and give it again, give it freshly to the people who own it. So there's some very practical things there. As you saw Peter, it doesn't have a digital catalogue. I mean, that simply Mm -hmm. makes it not fit for purpose in today's Mm -hmm. information-hungry world. So we'll do that. We'll digitise the catalogue. There is a seven-volume. I'd showed you it, a a huge hardback catalogue, but that needs to be online. And we will digitise some of the most handsome and extraordinary and quirky Mm -hmm. elements of the Mm -hmm. collection. So people like you yourself in Mm. Brisbane or in China or wherever it may be, can see it, can find it. Mm. And that sense of a kind of commonwealth uh, contemporary technology makes that massively possible, doesn't it, in a new way. So that's one thing we'll do. But we also recognise that there are sort of invisible cultural barriers, aren't there, to feeling that you yourself, whatever your background or wherever you're from or whatever your educational attainments or otherwise or whatever your line of work, that you yourself own, for instance perhaps the greatest secular book in the world, because there's, there's, mm. th- there's a Shakespeare first folio in this collection. It's the only one in the world that was bought for everybody. So it belongs to everybody in Sparkbrook or, you know, Kings Heath or mm. um, Aston or whatever. It's theirs. But we recognise that there's a job to do. I mean, a post Shakespeare professor from Stratford saying, you know, this really is yours... It's got to be more active than that. We've really got to give it away. We've got to stimulate that sense of ownership. So we've got various ideas. One is that we'll take the first folio out to the people who own it and we'll take it to some interesting places. And, for instance, the children's hospital are interested in us having it there. The prisoner would like us to take Mm it inside. The boring shopping centre would like us to exhibit it there. Various such places... The Muath Centre, which is a big Muslim heritage centre, would like us to take it there too. Mm. And then other things, Family Days, Community Co-Curated Exhibitions, Neighbourhood Productions and so on. We want to give it away so people really feel they can make it theirs and that makes the collection more alive and more shared.
1: And does that catalyse you, Peter, to do something similar in Australia? Well,
3: one of the things I've been talking about with some colleagues down in Australia at uh, the University of Sydney, Professor Liam Semler, and also at the University of Melbourne, um, Professor David McInnes, is we really want to make sure that Australians know about this wonderful book, The First Folio, which has this Birmingham genealogy. And uh, we're in talks with the state library we're hoping that we can do something along those lines and of course you know that's just the tip of the iceberg i mean there's a lot more shakespeareana in that collection that wonderful collection mm. and in other places in australia and i'm very much inspired by ewan's commitment to this idea of making this stuff actually available and in a way that's not just you know you can come and sort of admire it but rather you can engage with it on your own terms Mm. and that's the tricky bit isn't it you know I mean some of these ideas for example of people have things to tell us about yeah it's hard to make sense of a Tamil translation of Othello if you don't happen to know Tamil (laughs) so one does need to go and talk to some Tamil speakers and and so bringing those objects out and perhaps bringing those communities into relation with scholars and academics who can Tell them about, I don't know what it'd be, the history of Tamil speakers yeah. in Britain, et cetera. Absolutely. You know, that's a wonderful. So you get the, uh, the possibility of all of these different conversations.
2: Communities I mean. of learning and reciprocal learning. And so, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And finally, Ewan, where can listeners learn more about Everything to Everybody?
2: Listeners uh, can learn more about the project on the project website. And our address is Everything to Everybody, all one word, all lowercase dot b-h-a-m dot dot uk and there's a get involved page which has a whole menu of different things that communities and individuals might like to sign up for such as family days and you can click through and you'll get a, a more detailed menu for that particular activity and you can click through again and there's an expression of interest form that can be sent back to us And you can propose things to us, which, you know, propose how that you would like to see this great collection reanimated in a way that would be of interest to you. So there's that. There are videos, many of them handsomely gifted by History West Midlands to us on that site. There are podcasts like this. There are articles. There's a splendidly illustrated digital booklets of the Shakespeare collection because we're really eager for people to see that it isn't just dusty old books such as really scholarly people might be interested <laughs> in. There are amazing images. There's the whole of cultural history is there. So much of the world is there. I'd challenge anyone to really look at that collection and not find something they're interested in.
3: One of the things that I'm very interested in that Ewan's doing with this project is trying to think about what you do with the tradition in a city that is far more diverse than it once was, perhaps. And, you know, how do you make access to that tradition? Also, what is the meaning of that tradition? Thinking here about, you know, Shakespeare and that heritage. And I think Australia has actually a sort of parallel issue to deal with, which is, you know, Australia, of course, is a settler society and there are huge problems about dispossession with Indigenous people in Australia. And so what... Here's this thing that we think is very wonderful which is Shakespeare and that entire tradition what do we make of that now how do we in a society that has those challenges you know of um, disposition of an original people and, and so I think um, in a way both places you know Birmingham in its way Australia in its way are dealing with what you make of a tradition a tradition that's precious but also has to be in your language, you know, reanimated and made meaningful for a different world. A whole new constituency. A whole new
1: constituency, There
3: are real challenges around that, but I think that's what makes it exciting, something you want to be involved in.
1: Professor Holbrook, Professor Fernie, thank you very much indeed for a really, really interesting discussion. And Ewan, good luck with the HLF grant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike.
0: You can learn more about the Everything to Everybody initiative and George Dawson at our website, www.historywm.com, where you can also download a free introductory booklet. If you would like to get involved with the initiative, visit their website, everythingtoeverybody.bham.ac.uk.